It's back to the future with the return of a national party policy of years gone by. So what is social investment and does it work? For that and everything else worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Philippa Tolley and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's story is called New Zealand's Screen Identity. It's written by senior reporter Andre Chumko and is about Aotearoa's place in the screen world. From being the home of Middle Earth, the Avatar franchise and uniquely Kiwi films like Hunt for the Wilder People, New Zealand has carved out its place in Hollywood. But where to from here? To tell us all about it, here's Andre Chumko reading his story, New Zealand's Screen Identity. Dramatic scenery consisting of golden plains, towering mountains and enchanting valleys. More than 20 years after the first Lord of the Rings movie was released in 2001, New Zealand is still known as the home of Middle-earth. That intro is taken straight from our country's official tourism website, NewZealand.com. Peter Jackson's three ambitious fantasy adventure epics, based on J.R.R. Tolkien's novels and sporting a star-studded cast, are widely considered as some of the most influential and greatest movies ever made. Topping 2.99 billion at the worldwide box office and winning 17 Academy Awards out of 30 nominations, their legacy is undeniable. It follows humble hobbit Frodo Baggins and the Fellowship as they seek to destroy the One Ring and its maker the Dark Lord Sauron. The mythical series features elves, dwarves and wizards and was entirely shot in Aotearoa between 1999 and 2003. All the props, prosthetics, miniatures, costumes and weaponry for the trilogy were created by Wellington-based Weta Workshop. Its co-founder, Sir Richard Taylor, who hopes his knighthood will not be referred to when we speak by phone, and who kindly agrees to be interviewed in a hotel bathroom so as not to disturb his sleeping wife, Tanya Roger, says the series suddenly brought international focus to our country's vibrant screen talent. But it's not as if New Zealand had been sleeping up until that point, he says. Pre-Lord of the Rings, New Zealand was mostly known overseas for its rugby prowess, its sheep and its wine. Taylor says the film series Scale, that it was based on Tolkien's much-loved classic stories already connected to the world's millions, and New Zealand's exotic and relatively unknown status were the perfect storm for the trilogy's success. At the release of The Return of the King, Taylor felt a pride he'd felt with no movie ever made before. He says, It was a trilogy of films made by a nation of people. The films were made through the full length of New Zealand. Of course, it never would have happened without the vision and inspiration of Peter. He figured out how to embrace the collective creative power of New Zealand. An unbelievable number of people were directly or indirectly associated with the films. There was only a few degrees of separation between those who actually worked on it 
and those who knew people. It was a wonderful sense of collective endeavour. Now, New Zealand boasts tourist magnets like Hobbiton and Waikato's Matamata, and Weta Workshop runs tours in both Wellington and Auckland. Still, fans are intensely passionate about the series. This week, Taylor was at an anniversary event for the premiere of The Return of the King in Auckland, and said its magic hadn't dulled at all. You'd have to be a very cynical individual to have Lord of the Rings fatigue, he said. It also helped inspire a new generation of Kiwi filmmakers, with screen courses and students flourishing in the years since, lured in by the same aura that keeps legends like Jackson and James Cameron here long term. Since a new government was elected this year, there's been speculation about the future of the industry. ACT, a coalition partner, is ideologically opposed to rebates for screen productions, but that hasn't stopped industry heads lobbying for higher cashbacks to ensure New Zealand remains competitive with the likes of Australia, South America, and parts of Europe that return larger dollar amounts to filmmakers. At present, international productions can claim 20%, and there's an additional 5% available for productions that bring significant economic contribution. In an exclusive interview this week, the new Arts Minister, National's Paul Goldsmith, told The Post that given the current fiscal environment, it would be unlikely the government would raise the rebates within its governing term. He also wouldn't rule out getting rid of them altogether, saying, those are all conversations that we need to be considering over the next few months. Though this would certainly eliminate our screen industry, as well as be deeply unpopular. Industry authorities argue rebates help culturally enrich the country, share local stories internationally, drive tourism and the economy, and inspire educational and creative aspiration. But it's ignorant to think rebates are the only reason foreign cash cow productions continue to choose New Zealand today. Taylor says the country's extraordinary landscapes, its unquestionably artistically and technically talented crews, storytellers and artists, and its casual, friendly societal attitude are all drawcards. Avatar director James Cameron told a screen conference in Wellington last month that, until you've gone through an entire production, you don't really know. It could all just be a nice glossy brochure. But we came out of Avatar with this really powerful sense that this is where we wanted the home to be for the subsequent films. Taylor, naming Cameron as an example, says New Zealand has the collective capability, passion and drive to deliver for directors. In the next six months, seven New Zealand films will move into production, as well as several large-scale international productions, such as Minecraft, starring Jason Momoa, which has returned to pre-production after being put on hold due to the Hollywood strikes. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. 
Fleary and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, I've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> BAFTA-winning filmmaker Andrew Nichol will start shooting I Object next year in Wellington, starring Melanie Linsky and Carl Urban, as will Firefly Films' poignant comic road production Holy Days. Confidential projects starting in 2024 from international studios include one mystery movie shooting in Wellington that promises celebrity spotting on par with The Lord of the Rings projects from Disney, Netflix and Blumhouse, and 10 film and television co-productions. With the strikes and election resolved, and COVID-19 in the rearview mirror, and recent improvements to our rebate scheme being well received, Film Commission Chief Executive Annie Murray says the future is bright for filmmakers paradise Aotearoa. I'm incredibly optimistic about what's happening in our screen industry, she says. We have brilliant talent and fantastic local stories. All the signs are that in the next 12 months, we will produce more cinematic gold for New Zealand and the world. But not all has been rosy. Some 265 Wellington-based engineers who were sold two years ago for $2.3 billion from Weta Digital to United States-based company Unity Software were told last week All their positions had been disestablished, just weeks out from Christmas. This week, a Weta FX spokesperson confirmed that the company made offers to rehire every affected worker. Gareth Sutcliffe, the lead games analyst at Enders Analysis in London, who's originally from Wellington, says the Unity Weta deal was structurally flawed from the start. Unity trailed badly in the area Weta excelled in, Hollywood production. He says, It was never destined to be a good technology-based match. Exiting early is ultimately more salvageable for Weta. This was clearly foreseeable with more due diligence. Unity was never the partner Weta would have hoped for. Brendan Jury, president of the Screen Industry Guild, says after the drawn-out review of our screen rebate, which resulted in international productions keeping their distance from New Zealand, phones were finally ringing hot again, and he felt positive about the next few years. He says while the country didn't want to get in a race to the bottom in terms of our rebate offerings, the new government could explore a more dynamic system that was responsive to things like when the exchange rate was favourable. Jury says filmmakers like Rob Tappert, who helped bring Hercules and Xena Warrior Princess to New Zealand in the 1990s, were as much to credit for the country's modern screen reputation as Jackson. Since The Lord of the Rings, there had been an internalisation of the movie industry, 
in which filmmakers realised they could create runaway productions more cheaply and effectively overseas versus in heavily unionised Hollywood. But New Zealand can only accommodate so many productions at any given time. Jury felt the country needed to improve its training paradigms, so children of diverse backgrounds were encouraged to enter the creative industries. New Zealand also needed to ensure its infrastructure was kept up to scratch. But a lot of these things flow back to having a continuous pipeline of work through having a good, stable rebate system, Jury says. John Allen, the chief executive of Wellington NZ, the capital's regional economic development agency, was there on the perfect Wellington day that saw a 100-metre-long red carpet roll out on Courtney Place for the premiere of The Return of the King in 2003. For the first time on a global scale, people realised Wellington's creative energy, dynamism and innovation that was powerful and palpable, Alan says. People wanted to understand it and experience it. And so the city started drawing talent and tourists at a scale not seen before. As a consequence, Alan says the city's and country's economy took off. Who would have thought that a country known for cows and rugby, Alan says, would suddenly burst onto the scene being known for creativity, technological innovation and storytelling? And that's what happened. It was a transformational moment. As part of James Cameron's agreement to create his Avatar movies in New Zealand, at least one red carpet premiere and after party for an upcoming film in the epic science fiction series will be held locally. But where exactly in New Zealand it will be is yet to be determined. Jackson, Taylor and their respective wives Fran Walsh and Tanya Roger had reinvested and supported the country's screen industry after committing to stay here. But all of them realised it was about so much more than just a single person, says Tanya Black, the manager of Screen Wellington. They know it's the sum of the parts. Black says, while Auckland boasts the majority of New Zealand's screen work, Wellington, the second biggest production location in the country, differentiates itself by attracting projects that push the boundary out on the creatively possible. New Zealand built on its reputation from the Lord of the Rings series, Alan says, because great filmmakers decided to stay here. And even though companies like Weta FX have hubs in Melbourne and Vancouver, and Jackson and Cameron have received numerous offers to relocate over the years, Black says New Zealand's biggest selling points for big names permanently basing themselves here are its small-town vibe and connectivity, Kiwi's humility, and its comfortability. At this year's Screen Producers Guild Conference, Roseneath-based James Cameron spoke of hardly ever being stopped when walking on the city's waterfront. Wellingtonians would be mortified to be rude and intrude on my day and ask to take a picture, he said. They'll just walk by and go, Hi Jim. I don't know who it is. It's cool, right? It's like a big small town. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. 
In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash thehumanrace or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate. The rise of generative AI undoubtedly represents a new frontier for all creative industries. But whether it represents a challenge, an opportunity, or a mix of both for our screen sector depends on who you ask. While actors and writers were striking in part because of concerns about being replaced by the technology, elsewhere in the screen world, AI is being used to improve sound quality, eradicate menial tasks, and better preserve heritage films and remaster negatives. It's also a safe bet that screen funders NZ On Air, the Film Commission, and Tamangai Paho will continue to invest in Māori stories, which have proved globally popular. Black says eight of the ten most successful New Zealand films at the box office are by or about Māori, including Taika Waititi's Boy and Hunt for the Wilder People, Nikki Kato's Whale Rider, and Lee Tamahori's Once Were Warriors. Next year, Tamahori's anticipated The Convert will be released, starring Guy Pearce as a lay preacher who lands at a British settlement in the 1830s in the middle of a bloody war between Māori tribes. Black says the success of New Zealand's Māori filmmakers speaks to the fact that New Zealand has always been a nation of storytellers. She says, That's been something we've always known we've been good at. Now, we're just putting it on screen. Taylor says to keep New Zealand's screen industry viable, it must strive for consistency. It starts at the smaller scale, doesn't it? He says. Inspiring young children in the earliest part of their lives. In primary school, getting them to think about a future in the creative arts. In my generation, it was common to be told there was no future in the arts. That's absolutely ridiculous. The world's industries are driven by creative input. Inspiring the next generation needs to be underpinned by high quality and contemporary education at a secondary and tertiary level, with the very best of tutors teaching cutting-edge skills of filmmaking. Funding also needs to be available for those students if they were to forge careers, start families, and create homes of their own in New Zealand. It's a real blessing Peter Jackson has chosen to spend his entire career working out of New Zealand, Taylor says. The fact he's chosen here and hasn't moved overseas is a positive thing for the country. People should have that ability to make that choice should they wish. Because the opportunities are as fruitful here as they might be anywhere in the world.
was New Zealand's screen identity on the long read from Stuff, written and read by Andre Chumko and produced by Jen Black. This episode was edited by Connor Scott. If you listen via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you follow the podcast, you'll get the latest episode automatically. Thanks for listening. Ka kite anō. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz support. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, I what, think Chris, the, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, well, I'm not worried about it at all. Okay. Nothing iffy in there. On. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.